We are just weeks away from Creed 2, the follow-up to the movie Creed. How many Rocky fans we have out there? Love the whole Rocky saga and Creed as well. Well, in the, in the words, the immortal words of Clubber Lang, I got a lot of mo. Got a lot of mo in this series, week number two in our series that we're calling Contenders. Last week we talked about some things never change. This week we're going to look at some things really need to change. We're in the book of Jude. It's only 25 verses, really, really quick, but there's an awful lot packed in here. And this is the finale of the series uh, that we're looking at today. So some things need to change in our series called Contenders. Uh, and we're going to look at, again, just a quick review of why we're calling this series Contenders. If you have your Valley app, you want to go ahead and open that up so you can follow along in the notes on your app. Uh, and I also want to give, a, while you're doing that, a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus. Love you. Valley family gathered together there in Poughkeepsie. One church, multiple locations. Also our online campus. Now we have uh, eight showings of our online campus through the week. Sunday, four showings. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 730. Uh, if you ever miss or can't make it on a Sunday, you can keep right up with us. So let's jump in right now. First of all, let's look back to how we got to where we are how we got here. Uh, real quick review from last week. In Jude, beginning in the first verse, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, full brother of James, half brother of Jesus Christ, to those who have been called, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Then it goes on and says, dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. That's why we're calling this series Contenders, to contend for the faith, and we drilled down deep into this last week. Contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. And it goes on and says, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. Jude says, I want to talk about how great salvation is that we share in common, but I need to warn you first, and it's these that have uh, slipped in secretly among them. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into license for immorality. We talked about that last week. There's no new gospel. There's no, there's no new revelation. There's no new morality, and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. No new gospel, no new revelation of who Jesus is. It is what it is, what Jesus said, who, what the scripture tells us. He is who he is. It's not going to change or anything like that. No new revelation, no new morality at all. And, and so we're so excited about this, actually, that uh, uh, we are renaming, rebranding our men's ministry uh, here at Valley, that we're calling it Contenders. Uh, right out of this, this passage here uh, in Jude where it says contend for the faith. Because as men, we want to contend for our walk with God. We want to contend for our hearts of character. We want to contend for our marriages. We want to contend for our family and maybe even future family as well, our family tree. And we want to contend for our brothers. And so we had just, a, just an awesome, incredible event this weekend took place. Uh, and that was our man night. And that's the first of many of those that we're going to have and, and real excited about just men gathering together, encourage one another, have some fun. Uh, also had a huge sign up uh, for our short-term men's group that are launching uh, first week in October, the first Saturday there. And, and so contenders is what not only this series we're finishing today, but it's going to
going to be branded our, our, our name for our men's ministry. And guys, I just want to encourage you, every time you hear something about our contenders, men's ministry, just jump right in with both feet. And you know what? You don't want to be, guys, you don't want to be like, well, you don't want to be like this guy. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. You don't want to be like that guy. That's Marlon Brando uh, from On the Waterfront. You don't want to be a bum. You want to be a contender. And so, guys, every time you hear something about our contenders men's ministry, uh, I just encourage you to jump in and, and be a part of that. We're really excited what God's doing in the life of our men. Also in our women, obviously, with Sisters United and our Valley Kids. But we're really just ramping up the men's ministry, which has been a little bit behind uh, the women's ministry here at the church uh, and also the, the kids' ministry. So we're real excited about this contending. And, and so uh, just another, at where, how we got here, Jude 1 verse 17, we looked at this last week. It says, but dear, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who will divide you. He's talking about those that came in and divided the church, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. They do not have the Spirit, and we've spent all summer long looking at in our Father, Son, and the Other One series about the importance of the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, on a daily basis. If you missed any of that, you can check all that out on our website and through our app as well. And, and so let, let's finish the book now. Some things never changed last week. Some things need to change this week. And so now let's take a look inside. How are we going to prepare to contend? How are we going to prepare to contend for the faith? Just like Jude encouraged us and challenged us to, to contend for the faith. Well, you know what? Uh, this is opening weekend of the NFL season uh, 2018, and everyone's really excited about it. And, uh, you, you know, but Preseason is really, really important as well. Not the games. I can't stand watching preseason NFL football. It's the worst. Uh, but going through all of the discipline and the physical preparedness, even uh, emotional and, and uh, mental preparedness for the season that is upon us. And as an old football coach, you know, I used to hate two-a-days, which actually were like three-a-days, show up at the school at 7.30 and you walk off the field at like four o'clock. I mean, it was just brutal. But it was so much a part of the season to prepare you for what was going to happen. Well, the same is true for you and for me. If we're going to be contenders for the faith, what well, we need to prepare for it. And look at what Jude says in verse 20. He says, but you, dear friends, He's going to share with us how to prepare for, the, for contending. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. That's the first thing. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Here's the second thing. Praying in the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack each of these. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And here's the third thing. Three ways to prepare by taking that inside look. Keep yourself in 
God's love. What does this mean? Keep yourself in God's love. As you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. And so the preseason really does matter. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how far you're into your season of life. There's some just fundamentals, just like in football, there's some basics. There's some fundamentals about blocking, about tackling, you, you know, uh, about as a quarterback, passing, mechanics, things like that. There's some fundamentals. We need to be fundamentally sound if we're going to really contend, if we're going to contend for a championship in football, if we're going to contend for the faith in our walk with Christ as a church family, as the Valley family. And, and so three things, just unpacking here, these three things. The first is this, we need to get into God's Word. We need to get into God's Word. That's so basic, that's so fundamental, it's so critically important. This is where it says, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Well, why do you, how do you get, get into God's word from that, Greg? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That our faith grows, we build ourselves up in the most holy faith. How do you do that? By hearing God's word. And it's not just by hearing it, but it's by living it. It's by applying it in our lives. Listen, let me talk about the gap. Every one of us has a gap. And I'm not talking about defenses, you know, who's going to defend the gap in football. Every Christian has a gap in their life. And here's what the gap is. It's between what you know and what you live. And Christian maturity is measured on how small that gap is. See, we can spend so much time learning more and more and more about the Bible. But if we don't begin to live it out, it's just this huge gap, and it doesn't help us. Bible knowledge doesn't help. Bible application of knowledge, that's where the change is. That's what makes that gap smaller and smaller and smaller. I, I've said this before, this is true. You, you'll never beat Satan in a scripture quoting contest. He knows all the scripture, inside and out, but he doesn't apply any of it. And, and so the gap, how big is your gap? How big is the gap between what you know and what you live? This is why it's so important, as we talked about last week. Instead of using God's words as, a binoc as binoculars to judge the faults of other people, we need to use God's word as a microscope. God, show me my own heart. Show me the gap between what I know and what I live. It's critically important. And so, as we prepare, we need to get into God's Word. Think about it for just a minute. If, if spiritual maturity was just based on Bible knowledge, do you realize that when we take the Bible in our hands, do you realize this wasn't even possible for the first 1,500 years of the Christian church? Are, are you telling me no one was spiritually mature? It was only 500 years ago with the Gutenberg Press, with movable type, where the Bible could be mass-produced. Are you telling me that for the first 1,500 years of the church, there, were no one, there was no one that knew the scripture? There was no spiritual maturity? That's an impossibility. Maybe we need to look at the gap in our lives. How much do you know? Not how much you know, how much are you living God's word? How much are you daily disciplined to apply God's word to your life? We need to know it, but that's, that's, that's step one. Ultimately, the means to the end is knowing God's word, to allow God's word to change us. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, applying God's word to our life. 
For the first 1,500 years of the Christian church, people were still spiritual. The key is getting God's word into our heart and into our life, not into our mind only. It needs to be into our heart, into our life, and could I put it this way, into our actions. Here's the second thing. Keep praying. We, We need to continue to pray. This is what it says here in Jude. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, that means motivated by, led by the Holy Spirit. And I remember in in college, I talked to one of my pastors about this. It was so helpful because I was like, I try to pray. I used to try to pray an hour every single day. This was when I was in college. And I really struggled, and I had all kinds of condemnation because every time I would try to pray for an hour, my mind would begin to wander, and I'd start thinking about something. And I went to a pastor. I was like, I'm really struggling here. I I feel like during that time in my life that God was calling me to pray an hour every single morning when I woke up. And I was really struggling because my mind would wander. And he said, Greg, I believe that's what it means to pray by the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit would make your mind, makes your mind wander. And you start thinking about people you haven't thought about for a while. Pray for them. Pray for them. Trust that the Holy Spirit is actually taking your mind to wander, to pray for things He wants you to pray about. Instead of, this is what I want to pray about, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Really, really important that we understand that. And also, let prayer be an ongoing conversation. That it's not just a, a, a monologue, God, listen to me, but that we spend time to listen to Him as well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 puts it this way, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So be alert. What is it? I think it's be aware of what's going on around us. And even in times of prayer that we set aside, be alert about what the Holy Spirit is bringing to our mind to pray for. And praying for God's people all the time. That this is an ongoing. Pray without ceasing. Pray in the Holy Spirit. This is one of the ways that we prepare to contend. That, that we, we, we read up God's word. We apply it to our lives. Then we're prayed up. And, and, and many times it's like, be alert. I like to call this proactive prayer, that we're prayed up, that, that we don't know what we're going to face during a day. We don't know what might be coming up. And, and so we spend time in prayer to prepare for the day, to prepare, could I put it this way, to contend, to be a contender. And then here's the third thing about the preseason. We need to remain obedient Remain obedient. I believe this is what Jude is talking about when he says, keep yourselves in God's love. Some translations say, remain in God's love. This is a common misunderstanding that many Christians have. That, that they think that, you know, the Bible says, that, you know, God loves us unconditionally. As I like to say, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. But the reality is God loves us unconditionally, but we don't love him unconditionally, do we? Again, the gap. There's a gap. And that gap is obedience to God's word. That's how we demonstrate, the Bible makes this so clear, if we really do love God, is that we obey him. We obey his word. We do what it says. Not just that we know what it says, we live it. Remain obedient. Remain in God's love. We remain in God's love through obedience. That's what it means to remain in God's love. is through obedience, through actually living out what God's word teaches us, how God's word instructs us to live. 
I, I want to be clear, just kind of sit here for a minute, just kind of unpack this, just kind of hit the pause button and let's circle around this a little bit so it's really, really clear. We can't earn God's love. It's impossible to earn God's love. None of us will ever do that. We, none of, you, can't, you and I will never deserve or earn God's love or his approval. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life and to lay that life down as a sacrifice and a substitute for you and for me for my personal sin and for your personal sin as well. And that he rose again three days later, proving once and for all that when we receive him, that sacrifice is the total, complete sacrifice that you and I need for our sins. And so we don't earn God's love. We receive God's love because we receive his son. But we are also called to remain in God's love. We can't earn it, but we, are, we can reject God's love. You and I can reject God's love. We can, we can do things that totally contradict and we say, I don't want God's love. I don't want God in my life. And so this is where Jude says, remain in God's love. Continue in God's love. So very important. Keep yourself in God's love, as Jude says. Jesus made this really, really important. Again, there's, there's like this gap. And it's really, really important that we understand the gap or how small it is, is what Christian maturity is. How small is that gap in our life of living what Jesus told us to, living the way he wants us to? Look at what Jesus said in John 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. That's how you know. It's not the bumper sticker on your car. It's not the jewelry around your neck. It's not the words that you use when you're in church. How much do you obey me? How much do you actually live? How big is the gap between what you know God wants and how you actually live? If you love me, Jesus says, obey my commandments. It's pretty interesting. All through John 14 and John 15, uh, Jesus talks about this over and over. Look at this, just a few verses down. John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Those who actually don't try to parse it, don't try to split hairs about what God is saying, what he said, those who accept Jesus' commandments, and by that he means all the scripture, not just the red letter stuff, those who accept my commandments and obey them, who actually live them, they're the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them, to each of them. And so God loves us unconditionally, but we can reject his love, we can spurn his love, we can walk away from God's love. And Jude says, continue in God's love. Remain in God's love. So very, very important. These are the basics. These are the basics. Keep yourself in God's love. Don't step out of God's love. How do we do that? Obeying him through obedience. John 15, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says... Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. He says, stay in my love, remain in my love. And then he explains how this is. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. This is what, could I put it this way? This is what it means to live the blessed life. The life God blesses is a life of obedience. So many Christians, I hear, I hear it too many times, too often. I don't feel like God's blessing me. Always the question is, how much are you walking in obedience to what he says? 
Doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. But God gets involved when we love him back. How do we do that? Through obedience. Jesus says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and I remain in his love. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's not that we give a shout out to Jesus on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the week the way we want to. To be a follower of Christ is we follow in his footsteps. Jesus says, I obeyed my Father's commandments and I remained in his love. I didn't step outside of his love. Same thing for my followers. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. That's the preseason. That's how we prepare our hearts day after day after day to contend. And now let's look out. How do, how do we respond? How, how do we respond when, let me put it this way, when life gets difficult, when, when, when people, because of our faith in Christ, they reject us when they don't want anything to, uh, to do with us. As Jews talking about when these wolves in sheep's clothing, they sneak in, they cause division in the church. How are we supposed to respond? Jude explains that as well. We're to look out. Look at what he says in verse 22. Be merciful. And he's going to say be merciful to three different groups of people here. Be merciful to those who doubt. Group number one, doubters. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. That's another group that he's talking about. We'll unpack this in just a minute. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Three different groups of people here. And to each one, Judas saying, show them mercy. Show them mercy. Last week, and man, I really appreciated it. I, I really, really, it was very heartfelt. Someone came up to me after the, the message last week and they said, I really appreciate how you just shared that because, you know, there in Jude, there's a lot of hellfire and brimstone, and there is. I said, but I didn't feel judged or condemned by what you were saying. What I felt was the Holy Spirit conviction. And I really want to thank you for that, Greg. That meant a lot to me. Because you know what? That's what the book of Jude, the book of Jude, the whole Bible is a love letter. When people feel guilt and condemnation. That, that's, that's the messenger's fault. That's not, that's not the message. The Bible makes it real clear, and this is in your additional notes. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. The, the, the Bible says in James 2, mercy triumphs over judgment. Those are in your, the, your notes. James 2.13 and Romans 2.4, your, your app notes on your phone there. You can check those out. And Jude is saying that these are people that have come in, and he says these things, but, but it's all shrouded, when you read the whole book, it's all shrouded and the whole script in mercy. In mercy. Not judgment, not vitriol, not anger, not harsh. Mercy. And even with these three group of people that we're, that we're looking at right here, Jude says, be merciful to them. Be merciful to them. First group is who? Those who doubt. Those who have doubts. Be merciful. Show mercy. You, you know what? We talked about this last week when we looked at the faith. We looked at core. And we looked at convictions. And we looked at opinions. And we looked at questions. It should be a safe place for people to ask questions. I, 
I'm your pastor. There's sometimes I have doubts. There's some things, sometimes I have questions. I'm not sure how this is going to happen. Now, now, the whole thing about, you know, doubts is this, be merciful. So many times it's easy to doubt, and, and I don't mean doubting if, if God's word is true. That's the essentials. That's not changing who Jesus was, what he accomplished on the cross. Did he rise from the dead? Those are the core. Those are the essentials. But the doubts come in, if I follow God's word, will it work? Sometimes we have doubts like that. Doubting God's way, if it will really, really work. And, and so it needs to be a place of grace, a, a church, valley family. We need to continue to be a, a, a family, church family, where there's grace, where people can ask their questions. You know what grace is? Uh, maybe you've heard it this way before. Grace is, I get what I don't deserve. <laughs> That's what grace is. I get what I don't deserve. Jude is calling for mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is, I don't get what I do deserve. Grace is, I get through Jesus Christ what I don't deserve. I get forgiveness. I get a restored relationship with God the Father because of Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's amazing. What is mercy? Mercy is, I don't get what really I do deserve. And, And so he's saying, for those who doubt, show mercy. For those who are struggling to live life, live it the way that God wants us to, show them mercy, understanding. Help them along, encourage them. That's why our small groups here at Valley are so critically important because they're they're groups that show mercy to one another where we can have our doubts. Listen, I know God wants me to do this. I'm struggling with if this is going to work or not. And we can pray for one another. We can lift each other up. Show mercy. Grace is I don't get what I do deserve. Grace is, I get what I don't deserve, rather. I mixed it up. Grace is, I receive what I don't deserve. Mercy is, I don't receive what I really do deserve. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus put it this way. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That, that, that we determine how much mercy God has on us by how much mercy we give to others. Blessed are the merciful. They're blessed. They're blessed. And so let me ask you a question. Are you merciful in your marriage? Oh, now you're meddling, Greg. Are you merciful in your parenting? Are you merciful on the job with your employees, with your boss, with your customers? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We determine how much. We're to be merciful on those who doubt. We're to be merciful on those who are lost, those who don't know Jesus Christ yet. Those who, I like to put it this way, I I always like to think of people as pre-Christian that don't know Christ. They're pre-Christian. And and so, even today, on on the way here uh, to to church, I was uh, stopped at a red light, and and cars are just, you know, coming across, uh, turning, and I just thought, every single one of those, whether I knew them or not, God knows them, and and maybe they don't know Jesus Christ at all. They're pre-Christian. Show mercy. Show mercy. As as we talked about in our series, the Holy Spirit's working. He's drawing people. He's calling people to himself. That's what Jude's talking about here when he says, save others by snatching them from the fire. You know one of the most loving things you can do ever, show love to someone, is to share with them what Jesus Christ means to you. That's an act of love. It's an act of mercy. In, in, a, in a truthful way that's seasoned with grace. It's mercy. 
showing mercy to those that don't know Christ and have not yet received him. And then even, how about this? Those who are in rebellion, we're called to show mercy. This is what Jude's talking about here in, in verse 10. I'm sorry, uh, in verse 23, where he says, uh, having, uh, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. You know, in rebellion, that's what this is referring to. Those who are totally in rebellion to God. I don't want what God wants for me. I don't want God's help. I don't want God's intervention. I want nothing to do with God. We're supposed to show mercy even there. Why? It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And so we need to look at, and how are we supposed to respond? One word sums it all up. Jude says, be merciful. Be merciful. It's not my job to judge people. It's my job to show God's love. It's your job to show God's love and his kindness. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. So that's how we respond. And, and now I love this part. This is, this is one of the most beautiful passages, I think, in the whole scripture. And that's the third point here, and then we're done with the book of Jude. We need to look up. This is how we hope. Why can we hope? How, how can we have hope in the midst of, uh, you, you know, it seems like sometimes the world's just spinning out of control, doesn't it? It just gets crazier and wilder and dangerous, more and more dangerous every day. Just the, the toxic environment. And I'm not talking physically. I'm just talking relationally. Just so many people are toxic today. We can have hope. We need to look up and have hope. Look at what Jude says here in, in Jude, last two verses, 24. This is what's often referred to as the doxology in Jude. It, it's like the ending. Uh, and, and sometimes this is even used as a blessing uh, uh, in churches. These words, these two verses, because it, it just frames it. It's almost like Jude just circles back around it and at the beginning goes, I would like to talk to you about the gospel. I would like to talk to you about the great salvation that we have in common, but there's this danger that I need to warn you about. And now he circles around, and it's almost like that was all a parenthetical statement, and this is what Jude really wanted to talk about, and it's how incredible Jesus Christ is. Absolutely beautiful. Listen to what it says. To him who is able. God is able. To him who is able. So important that you and I realize this. He is able if we are willing. Jesus is able to accomplish everything in your life that he has promised, if you're willing. It's so interesting, one of the stories in the, in the Gospels, there was a woman who needed healing, and, and Jesus came to her and said, are you willing to be healed? Because he's able. He can do it. Jesus can do everything that the Scripture promises, if we're willing. To him who is able, watch this now, to keep you from stumbling. See, he talked about, Jude talked about those that were led astray by wolves in sheep's clothing that were saying there's new revelation, there's a new morality, all that, you know, that, 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 that old stuff, it doesn't matter anymore. That was then, this is now. Jude said, no, it is what it is. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and great joy, He's talking about one day when you and I are in the very presence of God that Jesus is going to introduce us. Look what I did in Greg's life. Look what I did in her life. 
Look what I did in his life. Jesus is able. It's all on him. It's not me. It's Jesus. To keep us from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and great joy. To the only God, our Savior. It's talking about Jesus. Be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. I love this description that Jude gives here to his half-brother, his Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. And you know, when you think about it, He's writing to believers about their daily walk with the Lord. He, he's talked to them about the danger of going astray. And, and he says, this is what you need to focus in on. Jude was reminding his readers, focus on Jesus, the greatness of Jesus Christ. If we could only just catch a glimpse of how great, and that's what Jude is describing here. The only God, our Savior, glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, amen. He, he's describing how incredible, how, how huge, how much greater, how much more beautiful, how much more powerful, how much more loving Jesus Christ is than what those wolves in sheep's clothing are making him out to be. It, it's like a guy who had a whole bunch of girlfriends and then he meets the one and he marries her. All those other girlfriends don't matter anymore when he falls head over heel in love with a woman that he spends the rest of his life with. Listen, you know, I can't hardly remember myself uh, before, before Susie in my life. I don't remember me before her. Uh, but I, I, I dated some other girls. I had some other girlfriends. I was this insecure guy. I always had to have a girl on my arm, you know. But then I met her. And it was like, when I, when I met Susie, everything else was just, it was just BS. Before Susie, I don't know what you were thinking. It, it was just before Susie. And it's like, it just doesn't matter. See, that's what love is. That's what Jude is saying here with Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to go all in, not to hold back. Because when we get a glimpse of who he really is, you, you know what, all the other stuff, we want to follow his instructions. We want to obey him. We never say, I don't want you in this part of my life, God. I want Jesus at the center. I want him involved with everything. When we see him, glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, amen. Jude says, you get a glimpse of him, there is nothing this world has to offer that can tempt you to walk away. That there is no truth that can be bent in such a way that will cause you to stray away from the one you love, Jesus Christ. Just like that young guy. It's like all the old girlfriends don't matter anymore because my heart belongs to one. For me, Susie. As a man of God, Jesus Christ. That's what Jude is saying. That's the passion. When we really get just a glimpse of who he is, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. How does he keep it? Is it mind control? No. It's when we see him for who he really is, we don't want any of that other stuff. Again, these words they always come to me so often. Great hymn of the church, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Man, 
Maybe you're here today, you need to get a glimpse of Jesus. Because there's nothing this world has to offer that is greater than him. He is able to keep you from stumbling. How? When we see him for who he really is. When we love him by remaining in his love, following his commandments, following his instructions. Everything else is just a mirage on the horizon. It's not real. It doesn't matter. When we see the authentic Jesus Christ, you don't have to stumble. I don't have to fear stumbling. You don't have to fear stumbling. If we look in and we prepare ourselves, if we look out and we respond to others in mercy, if we look up in hope to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That's what Jesus has in mind for you. That's what Jesus has in mind for me. Let us commit to contend for the faith. What's, how do we contend? By showing mercy. By remaining in his love. By following his commandments. That's how we contend for the faith. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this incredible life-giving book of the Bible, the book of Jude, that teaches us not only that we need to contend, but instructs us how to contend by showing mercy, by remaining in your love, by following and obeying your instructions for our lives. Father, help us to see the gap in our lives today and to reach out and receive your grace, Lord, that that gap between what we know of your word and what we live, that gap between what's in our head and what's really in our hearts, Lord, would shrink today as we decide to follow after Jesus Christ and remain in his love. Thank you, Father, for him who is able, Jesus Christ, to keep us from stumbling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and great joy. Thank you, Lord. Some things never change, but some things need to change. We ask you to change us by your Holy Spirit. Change me, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity to anyone in the hearing of my voice right now, if you've never taken that first step of faith, of trusting Jesus Christ with your life. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, I just want to invite you, if you've never done that, if you've never taken that step of faith before, I, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. You just open your heart to him right now. This isn't meant to embarrass you. Could, you could just repeat this prayer after me under your breath. But you'll be saved. And it's the start of that friendship, that relationship with Jesus Christ that he wants with every single one of us. Just open your heart to him right now and repeat this prayer after me. 
Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, I ask you now to guide me, direct me, lead me from this day forward by your Holy Spirit, and I will follow you. Amen.